Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Beach House 34 True Crime and Paranormal Podcast. Today, we are diving into the second hour of Officer David Maine's testimony in the Darley Routier trial. Now, in hour one, in that testimony, we learned that after Officer Maine was first called to the scene at the Routier home, he stopped at fire station number two to pick up, quote, clothing from a victim and also the defendant. It isn't said that he had picked up, quote unquote, evidence, just that he picked up clothing. He also didn't mention that he picked up bags that contain the clothing. He just picked up the clothing. It's not really very detailed, but I'm hoping that as we get into more of his testimony, we'll find out more details about what he did. And truthfully, I was kind of surprised that he just picked up this evidence and then drove directly to the scene. I mean, why didn't he just take it back to the police station? Because as I mentioned in the previous episode towards the end, I was really interested to know what the temperature was outside at the time that he was at the Routier home. And I didn't have the exact details, uh, but according to the Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport, on that day, at that time of day, around you know 4.15 or so in the morning, it was already 72 degrees outside. And the high for the day was 88. Thunderstorms were forecasted, so it likely meant that it was pretty humid outside, which means that if he drove directly from fire station number two to the crime scene, he had this evidence in the vehicle with him. And so he just, what, left it in the vehicle um, to get exposed to the heat and the humidity. And I mean, I would think that maybe you would not want to do that. You'd want it in kind of a protective climate controlled area, right? So anyway, that was one of my first uh, questions. He got there, he got to the scene, he met with Officer Ward, and they went to where the sock was found in the alley. He photographed the sock and retrieved the tube sock. Didn't say what he did with the sock, though. He did do a presumptive test on the sock to test for blood, which did come back positive, and then said that he, quote, placed it in evidence. He next met with James Cron outside the house. He entered the house around 6.09 a.m. And once he entered the house, uh, Sergeant Walling was already there and took him and James Cron on a walkthrough of the house. During the walkthrough, he testified that no evidence was collected or touched and that this walkthrough took about 20 to 25 minutes. Everyone else left, but he stayed inside to take photos. And for most of the first hour of that testimony, we hear about the photographs that were taken at the scene. And we go through the all different, uh, like states exhibit numbers, you know, 35-A, 36-A, 38, 40, et cetera, et cetera. There were quite a few. And then at 6.55, in the morning, the medical examiner arrived to take care of Devin's body, which was still in the family room. And then before David Maine, Officer Maine, began to collect evidence, Sergeant Neighbors and James Cron evidently re-entered the house. He, he meaning Officer Maine, 
collected a bloody plaid cloth from between the love seat and the bar in the family room. He also collected two rags in the hallway beside the bathroom door, as well as a white rag that was bloody on the front porch. And then they brought up the vacuum. Um, we've only heard a little bit about his testimony, but when he was collecting about or talking about collecting blood samples, he was never asked if he had taken one from the vacuum cleaner handle because he had specifically mentioned that he did see some blood on the handle. So now let's get into uh, what happened. If you remember where we left off, the judge had given the jury a 15-minute break. And at this point, Mr. Greg Davis, the prosecutor, says, yes, sir. The court says the jury needs to warm up. And then um, once the jury was gone... The court then says, all right, I have excused the jury until 1.30 so we can have a hearing outside the presence of the jury. All right, back on the record in the Darley Routier matter, let the record reflect that these proceedings are being held outside the presence of the jury and all parties to the trial are present. Who is doing it? Mr. Shook? Mr. Gray Davis then says, I will. The court then says, all right, Mr. Davis, at... Then Mr. Davis says, yes, sir, I'll do it. Court says, okay, go ahead. And Mr. Davis then begins questioning Officer Maine, who was still on the stand. Now, the jury was just excused. The witness was not excused. Officer Maine, look at State's Exhibit 150, if you will, and tell me whether or not that photograph shows a portion of the family room that you, where you retrieved certain papers on June 6, 1996. Yes, sir. The area basically is between the couch and gold pillow, correct? That's correct. Also a lampshade in that area? Yes, sir. Let's just start here. States Exhibit 73-A. Is that one of the pieces of paper that you found in the family room on June 6, 1996? Yes, sir. States Exhibit 82-A, is that also a piece of evidence or a piece of paper that you retrieved from the family room on June 6, 1996? Yes, sir. Mr. John Hagler of the defense team says, excuse me, could we have him identify those for the record, please? The court says, all right, 73-A is what? Mr. Greg Davis says, 73-A is a birth certificate for Devin Routier. 82-A is a set of handprints of Damon Routier. And then Mr. Davis continues his questioning. A States Exhibit 74-D, does this appear to be an immunization record for Damon Routier? Yes, sir. Did you also find 74-D in the family room? Yes, sir, I did. All right. States Exhibit 80, is that the handwritten note which states, quote, Money from this policy is to be put into trust for Damon and Devin until age 21. Appears to be signed by Darley and Darren Routier. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Did you find States Exhibit 80 in the family room? Yes, sir, I did. All right. States Exhibit 84-A says Pet Rest Memorial Park Certificate of Entitlement to Burial. States Exhibit 84-A. Did you find that in the family room also? Yes, sir, I did. 
States Exhibit 84-C, is it entitled Retail Installment Contract on a Yellow Piece of Paper, and it appears to be signed by Darley Routier. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Did you find 84-C in the family room also? Yes, sir. The court then says, what's that? 84-C, that's entitled Retail Installment Contract signed by the defendant. Mr. Mulder says, for what? Mr. Davis says, I think for the cat's funeral, I think. The court then says, okay. Mr. Greg Davis then continues, States Exhibit Number 76, this is a marriage license for Darley Routier and Darren Routier? Yes, sir. Did you find States Exhibit 76 in the family room also? Yes, sir. All right. States Exhibit 74-A, and I'm going to interrupt here because this is another mistake in the transcription. Is this an insurance policy issued by Massachusetts General Life on Darren Routier? Yes, sir. Okay. Did you find States Exhibit number 77-A in the family room also? Yes, sir. States Exhibit 75. Does this appear to be a certificate of birth for Darley Lynn Peck, States Exhibit 75? Yes, sir. Did you find that in the family room? Correct. States Exhibit 73-B, does this appear to be a birth certificate for Damon Christian Routier? Yes, sir, it is. Did you find that in the family room also? Yes, sir. States Exhibit number 72-B, does this appear to be a birth certificate for Damon Christian Routier? Yes, sir. Did you find States Exhibit 72-B in the family room? Yes, sir. States Exhibit 72-A, does this appear to be a birth certificate for Devin Rush Routier? Yes, sir. Did you find 72-A in the family room? Yes, sir. And States Exhibit 77-B, is this an insurance policy issued by Massachusetts General Life for the insured Darley Routier? Yes, sir. Mr. Mosty says, is that B or D? Mr. Greg Davis says B. Mr. Davis then continues. Did you find States Exhibit 77-B in the family room? Yes, sir. States Exhibit 74-A. Does this appear to be a social security card for Devin Rush Routier? Yes, sir. Did you find that in the family room? I did. States Exhibit 74-B. Does that appear to be a social security card for Damon Christian Routier? Yes, sir. Did you find that in the family room also? Yes, I did. All right. States Exhibit 84-B. Does this appear to be a receipt for $630 from the Lions Funeral Home? Appears to be for Memorial. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. Did you find that in the family room? States Exhibit number 84-B? Yes, I did. States Exhibit 77-G. Does that appear to be a brochure from the A.L. Williams Company concerning life insurance, sir? Yes, sir. And did you find the folder and the enclosed papers in the family room on June 6, 1996? Yes, sir, I did. Okay. Estates Exhibit 78. Does that appear to be a spiral notebook, green in color? Yes, sir. Did you find that in the family room on June 6, 1996? Yes, I did. All right. 
States Exhibit 79-A, 79-B, 79-C. First, 79-A. Is that a one sheet of a notepad that you found in the family room on June 6, 1996? Yes, sir. That's a yellow notepad. Is that correct? The court then says, that's A. Mr. Davis says, that's A, your honor. He then continues, 79-B. Is it also a notepad, green in color, writing on both the front and the back that you found in the family room on June 6, 1996? Yes, sir. States exhibit number 79-C. Is that the notepad itself with one, two, three, three pages that have been written on at the top of the pad? Yes, sir. Did you find this in the family room on June 6, 1996? Yes, sir. Okay. States Exhibit 77-E and F. Do those appear to be, it says, quote, semi-annual renewal agreement from the Combined Insurance Company of America. We have one for Devin R. Routier and one for Damon C. Routier. Is that correct? Yes, sir. 77-E and F. Did you find those two items in the family room also, sir? Yes, sir. All right. States Exhibit number 77-C and 77-D, again, are they the same types of semi-annual renewal agreements combined Insurance Company of America, this time for Darren E. Routier and Darley L. Routier? Yes, sir. Did you find 77-C and 77-D in the family room also? Yes, sir. States Exhibit 74-C, does this appear to be an immunization record for Devin Routier? Yes, sir. Did you find States Exhibit 74-C in the family room? Yes, sir. All right. Let me show you two additional documents, States Exhibit 83-A and 83-B. Do you recognize those, sir? Yes, sir, I do. Okay, 83-A. Does this appear to be a letter from the American Express Company addressed to Darley Routier dated May 9th, 1996? Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. States Exhibit 83-B. Does this appear to be a letter from the Mellon Mortgage Company dated May 8th, 1996 addressed to Darren E. Routier, Darley L. Routier? That's correct. Okay. Now, 83-A and 83-B, you did not find in the family room, did you? That's correct, I did not. Where did you first come in contact with States Exhibit 83-A and 83-B? A trash bag was in the evidence section that was collected, and I went through the trash and found those two document. Okay, now you yourself did not recover 83-A and 83-B from the house or vehicle or anything of that sort. Is that correct? That's correct. First time you saw them, they were in a trash bag in the evidence room at the Rowlett Police Department. That's correct. Did you then sort through the trash to find 83-A and 83-B? That's correct. Were they in the same condition as we're seeing them today? Yes, sir. Mr. Greg Davis then says, Your Honor, with the exception of States Exhibit 83-A and 83-B, we'll be offering through this witness the documents that we have gone through during this hearing 
this having been found in the family room. The court then says, well, I missed two numbers. Mr. Davis says, all right. The court then says the immunization record of Damon, was it? It was right after 73-A and 82-A. I missed that number. That's what? Mr. Greg Davis says 74-C. The court then says, okay, that's an immunization record of who? Mr. Davis says of Damon. Miss Sherry Wallace, again, part of the prosecution, says, excuse me, I'm sorry, 74-C is Devin. That's 74-D. The court then says, well, what's the one of Damon? 74-D? Miss Wallace then says, yes, sir. The court says, all right, fine. Thank you. I've got that one. And then there was a marriage license. You were going pretty fast. I missed that number too. That came after the retail installment contract and before the insurance policy. Miss Wallace then says the marriage license is number 76. The court then says number 76. Got it. All right. So you'll be offering all of these documents through this officer? Mr. Davis says, yes, sir, with the exception of 83-A and B. The court then says, all right, I understand. So, Mr. Hagler, you wanted the hearing outside the presence of the jury. Mr. Hagler then says, yes, sir. Well, Judge, I might start off by saying that the mere fact that these documents were found in the defendant's residence does not dispense with the requirement that these documents be relevant under Rule 401. And secondly, that they be properly authenticated under Rule 901. And I can go. I don't have any additional testimony to develop through this witness, but I would like to voice my objections to each one of these exhibits. The court then says, all right, well, why don't we go exhibit by exhibit? Is that fair? Mr. Mosty, again with the defense, says, your honor, may I see 150? I think that's it. The court then says, sure. Mr. Mosty says, could I just ask a couple of questions to try to clarify? The court then says, sure. At which point, Mr. Mosty begins a voir dire examination. Officer Main, you identified State's Exhibit 150? Yes, sir. And did all of the documents that you have identified, except for the trash bag documents, did they all come from this, what I will call a blue-green box? No, sir. They came from the documents on top of the blue-green box. Just a stack of documents? Yes, sir. And none of them came from the blue-green box. That's correct. Were there documents in the blue-green box? If I'm not mistaken, there were sewing utensils in that box. Okay. The documents that you've identified, are those all of the documents that were on this box? Yes, sir. Every one of them is identified and whatever these numbers are, 73 through whatever? Yes, sir. Okay. And the trash bag? Well, let me go back. Do any of these documents, are any of the documents, for instance, have handwritten notes? Are any of those dated? Any of those dated? Right. The handwritten stuff. I'm not talking about an insurance policy or something. I'm talking about the handwritten things. Do any of them have a date on them? Marriage license, that area, yes. No, I'm just talking about the handwritten things. For instance, these ones that have been identified as notes. Oh, notes? Right. I don't recall. And the trash bag, the two documents taken out of the trash bag, when were they retrieved? They were retrieved on the 15th of June, okay? 
And what else was in that trash bag? Just trash. There was food items, just miscellaneous trash. All right. Mr. Mosty then says, that's all of the questions I have. Mr. Greg Davis says, let me, if I could, just a couple of questions. The court said, yes, sir, you may. And he continues with his direct examination. These items were located how far from the body of Devin Routier? Approximately two feet. And these items, have they been in possession of the Rowlett Police Department? Yes, sir. Do you recall whether or not any attorneys representing the defendant have come out to inspect the evidence in this case? Yes, sir. Have they? Yes, sir. Okay. Was this evidence made available to them prior to the trial? Yes, sir. Mr. Greg Davis then says, no further questions, Your Honor. The court then says, well, let's take them up one at a time. Now, if I'm calling these exhibit numbers wrong, correct me. We have States Exhibit 73-A, the birth certificate of Devin Routier. Is that correct? Is that the right birth certificate? Ms. Wallace says that's correct. The court then says, any objection to that, Mr. Mosty? And Mr. John Hagler then says, I'll do the objecting. Mr. Mosty then says, we need to try to identify these. The court then says, all right, well, I have 73-A as the birth certificate of Devin Routier. Mr. Hagler says, these are in reverse order, Judge. We'll have to go back through it and line them up here. The court says, oh, okay, where do you start? Mr. Hagler, again, part of the defense team, says, how about if we work from the top, from the back to the beginning? The court then says, that's fine, spread them out. Mr. Hagler says, Your Honor, I'll start off by saying, as far as States Exhibits 79-A, B, C, Your Honor, these are handwritten documents that appear to refer to the preparation of a will. We would object, Your Honor, one, that they're not relevant under Rule 401. Secondly, is that they tend to imply they are 404-B testimony. And third, that they're hearsay under Rule 802. And finally, that they're not properly authenticated under Rule 901. The court then says, I'll sustain that objection. Court says, all right. Mr. Hagler says, Your Honor, States Exhibit Number 43. Mr. Davis then says, could I please, before the court sustains the objection, the court then says, yes. Mr. Davis says, could we at least state the reason why we're offering these items at this time? The court then says, all right. Mr. Davis says, clearly all of these items go to the state of mind of this defendant on that evening. Now, they're not being offered for the truthfulness of any matter matter that's contained therein. They're going to the state of mind, to the fact that this woman's got her last will and testament out, two feet away from this child, who has been murdered that night. And she's also got injuries that very well may have been self-inflicted that night, and they go very much to the state of mind that she was in that evening. The court then says, well, I'll let me review these. I'm going to review the law on this. I will hold this in abeyance then. All right. Mr. Greg Davis then says, and that will be our grounds for all of these documents. The court then says, all right, state of mind. All right, go ahead. Why don't we take up, is there going to be any objection? Let's go down to the birth certificate. Any objection to those? Let's get that out of the way first. I got 73-A as the birth certificate of Devin Routier. Any objection to that? 
Mr. Hagler says, Your Honor, we will object to the basis of Devin is not the complainant in the indictment. It's not relevant. It's not been properly authenticated. The court then says, overruled, that's admitted. Mr. Mosti then says, can we get, the court says, that's 73-A. Mr. Mosti says, all right. The court then says, all right. The next one I have in my line, I have 74-D, is the immunization records of, is it Damon? Whatever that number is. 74-C, is it? Mr. Toby Shook says, that's Damon's. The court says, Devon's immunization record. Any objection to that? Mr. Hagler says, relevancy under Rule 401, improper authentication under 901. The court then says, overruled, that exhibit is admitted. That was 74-C. The court then says, all right, then we have State's Exhibit 76, which is a marriage license. Mr. Hagler says, non-relevant under 401, improper authentication under Rule 901, Your Honor. The court says, I'll overrule that. That exhibit is admitted. The court then further says, all right, the next thing I have is an insurance policy from Massachusetts General Life on Darren. That's 77-A. Is that the number? Mr. Davis says, yes, sir. Mr. Hagler says, yes, your honor. The court says, any objection to that? Mr. Hagler says, again, your honor, the only evidence that they've offered at this point was the fact that these documents were found in the family room. Again, there's been no showing that she had any knowledge that they were there and that she handled them. There's no showing of relevancy under Rule 401. Later on down the line, they may be able to establish that, Your Honor, but the fact that there's a life insurance policy on Darren is totally irrelevant to the issues at hand. The court says, all right, overruled, the exhibit is admitted. Mr. Mosty then says, that was 77-A, the court says, yes, 77-A. All right. Now, then we've got Mr. Hagler then says one more thing, Your Honor, if I may. Also, we would object under Rule 404-B. The court then says, all right, I'll still overrule that objection. Now, we have birth certificates on Damon, the on the defendant. That's 75. Is that correct? Mr. Greg Davis says, yes, sir. The court says, any objection to that? Stays Exhibit 75. Mr. Hagler says this is a birth certificate for Darley. The court for Darley Routier, the defendant. Yes. Mr. Hagler says again, no showing of relevancy under Rule 401, improper authentication under 901, and there is no supporting affidavit having been filed with the court 14 days prior to the offer of this document. The court then says, all right, overruled. I'll admit states exhibit 75. The court then continues, all right? Then I have 73-B. It's a birth certificate on Damon. Any objection to that? Mr. Hagler says, again, Your Honor, no relevancy under 401, improper authentication under 901. The court says, I'll overrule. 73-B is admitted. The court then says, now, then, is 72-A, is that the birth certificate on Devon? Mr. Hagler says, yes, Your Honor. Same objection as previously stated to the court. The court says, same ruling, overruled, 72A is admitted. The court then says, all right, the next thing I have is an insurance policy. Well, maybe that's just a repeat of the one before. Mr. Hagler says, no, Your Honor, there's a second, a second policy. The court says, a second policy on, and that's going to be 72-B, right? 
Mr. Hegler says, yes, your honor. The court says, all right. Any objection on that? Mr. Hegler says, yes, your honor. The court says, all right. Mr. Hagler then says, this is the insurance policy on Darley Routier. The court says, right. Mr. Greg Davis says, 77-B. Mr. Hagler says, that's 77-B, your honor. The court, this is 77-B? Mr. Hagler says, yes, your honor. The court says, all right. Mr. Hagler says, and again, there's no, this is the defendant's insurance policy. There's certainly no relevancy under Rule 401. And secondly, there is no, it's improper authentication under Rule 901. The court then says, all right, thank you, overruled, 77-B is admitted. Court continues, all right, now, I've got two social security cards here, one for Devin and one for Damon. My numbers are 74-A, Devin, and 74-B, Damon. Is that right? Mr. Hagler says, yes, your honor. Damon's is 74-B and Devon's is 74-A. The court says, all right, any objection there? Mr. Hagler again says, your honor, I can't imagine any conceivable reason why their social security cards would be relevant in 401. I would like the state to explain to the court why Damon and Devon's social security cards are relevant. Mr. Greg Davis says, yes, your honor, I'll direct your attention to article 38.36, evidence in prosecutions for murder, it goes to show all of the circumstances surrounding the killing of these two boys and the relationship between the defendant and those two boys. Mr. Mulder says, is that a motive? Mr. Davis says, sorry, did you ask me something? The court says, all right, overruled, and the 74-A and B are admitted. Mr. Hagler says, if I just might make a comment, your honor, the court says, yes, you may. Mr. Hagler says, the rules he's referring to does not change the rules of evidence. It simply allows that the testimony is admissible in a murder case showing the previous relationship between the defendant and the deceased. But again, the cases are voluminous, stating that the rules of evidence are the same. Again, there is no authentication under 901 and clearly no relevancy, certainly not as to Devin, that's under 74-A, Court says, all right, thank you. Same ruling. All right, let's go down. The next thing I have is, all right, I have another immunization record here. Excuse me, I don't have that. I've got 74-D is the immunization record for Mr. Hagler says, that's for Damon, your honor. The court says, all right, Damon. Mr. Hagler says, your honor, again, it's irrelevant under rule 401. It contains hearsay statements inadmissible under 802 improperly authenticated under Rule 901. The court says, all right, overruled, 74-D is admitted. The court then says, all right, 77-G is a brochure from the A.L. Williams Life Insurance Company. What is that, just a sales brochure? Mr. Greg Davis says, that's going to, I believe when you look through that, you'll see certain schedules for payments. The court then says, well, let me review this thing before I rule on it. That's 77-G. It's a brochure from the A.L. Williams Life Insurance Company. Mr. Hagler says, just for the record, again, we would urge that it's not relevant under Rule 401. The court then says, we'll take each one of these up afterwards. Mr. Hagler says, okay, thank you. Court says, all right, that is out of the way here. All right, now I've got 84-B, 
which is the $630 receipt from the Lions Funeral Home. I want to review that before I rule on it. Mr. Mosty says that's 84-B. The court says 84-B. And I'm going to look at 78, the spiral notebook, in 79-A, B, and C before I rule on them. I thought they were merely a piece of paper handed to me. I didn't notice they were so voluminous. All right, we're going to rule on that. And then Mr. Mosty says that's 78. The court says 78 is a spiral notebook. And 79-A, B, and C are the notes out of that book. And then I've got Mr. Mosty says, I think that's incorrect, isn't it? Those are separate notes off a small pad. The court says, well, I mean, they're not out of that book. Excuse me. They're not out of that book. They're separate notes off of a small pad. The pad is 79-C, and these notes are A and B. At least that's the pad I have. We've got a yellow sheet that's 79-A and a green sheet that is 79-B. The whole pad itself is 79-C. And let the record reflect that this pad is made up of multicolored sheets. Mr. Mosty says 78 then is the spiral. Yes, 78, the court says, yes. 78 is the spiral notebook. I want to look at those. Then we come to 84-B is this Lion's Funeral Home Receipt, which I want to look at. Then we come to 77-E and F. What's that? I've got it as a renewal agreement of some kind. Mr. John Hagler says, Your Honor, 77-C, D, E, and F are four semi-annual renewal agreements for an insurance policy. The court then says, All right. I'll look at those two before I rule on them. These are just receipts for premiums paid. Is that right? All right. Anything else? Okay. And then we've got, and 77-C and D is the same thing. Is that right? Mr. Hagler says, yes, your honor. There are four of those. The court says, all right. Oh, okay. Four. Now then we've got 80. Mr. Hagler says, 80. Your honor is a piece of paper that appears to be a distribution of property. The court says, all right, we will keep that over here. All right, 84-A is what? Mr. Hagler says, this is a Pet Rest Memorial Park Certificate of Entitlement to Burial. We would ask for an explanation from the state as to why this is relevant. The court then says, why is this relevant? Mr. Greg Davis says, all right, I'll go ahead and withdraw that one. Mr. Douglas Mulder says, judge, why on earth would 84 be admissible? Mr. Greg Davis says, did I not just say that we're withdrawing that? The court says 84 is not in there. Mr. Douglas Mulder says, it's a memorial for the cat that died. How can, that's ludicrous. Mr. Greg Davis says, only she can answer why she's got it over there, but will withdraw anything to do with the cat. Mr. Mulder says, yes, 1995. Mr. Greg Davis says, yeah, and there's still 1996 ones there. The court then says, all right, gentlemen, 284A, B, and C are all withdrawn. Is that right? Mr. Greg Davis says, yes, we'll withdraw those. The court then says, all right, that brings us to, we come to 82-A, which are the hand prints. Where are those? I'll keep that. Then what else have you got? Mr. Hagler says, I have the last one, Your Honor. The court says, one last one. This purports to be a Texas 
This is number 72-B, which is a birth certificate of Damon Christian Routier. Any objection to that? Mr. Hagler says that's not relevant to 401 and improperly authenticated in 901. The court says, all right, overruled, 72-B is admitted. Mr. Mosdy says, did the court rule on those renewal sheets? The court says, no, I'm going to look at those over the noon hour, and I'll have my rulings on those at 1.30. We will break here in a couple of minutes as soon as we finish this. All right, what else? Have we missed anything? Did we go on to States Exhibit 80? What was that? Was that the notes? States Exhibit 80 is what? Mr. Greg Davis says, that should be in 80, that one-page note. The court says, one page. Is that up here? Mr. Hagler says, yes, sir, right there. The court says, all right. The court will rule on that. We're going to adjourn now until 1.30. We're going to try to get these windows fixed up in here for the jury, and I will have a ruling for you on these exhibits at 1.30. Mr. Mosty says, Judge Toll, can I clarify one thing? It's just something that we're not real clear about. It's a question to Officer Maine. The court then says, yes, go ahead. And again, there's another voir dire uh, examination by Richard Mosty. Are these the documents that we've gone through here? Is that each and every document that was on top of the green box? Yes, sir. There weren't any that you didn't pick up. I picked up all the folders and the spiral with this included on top of the box. There wasn't anything that you left. That's correct. And the sewing kit, did you take anything out of the sewing kit? No, sir. Did any of these come out of the sewing kit? No, sir. You didn't take anything from the sewing kit? No, sir. All right, thank you very much. Mr. Mosty then says, that's all. I just wanted to clarify. The court says, okay, we'll adjourn. Any other questions? Mr. Mosty says, no, sir. And the court then says, we're recessed until 1.30. Thank you. Okay, can I just say, holy hell, <laughs> that was a lot of information. And I normally don't do this, but just to clarify a few things, because there was a lot of jargon going on in here, um, especially in relation to the objections. So here's what I've got so far. So they introduced, they took the jury out of the room. They uh, still had... Officer Maine on the stand, they asked him a few questions and then they introduced at least 28 items, at least by my count, 28 different separate things that they have this paperwork that they had found inside the Routier home. Now, as they went through this paperwork, Darley's defense team kept bringing up the uh, rules to not include some of this information, like rule uh they said defense objects as to not relevant under Rule 401, and then they talk about a Rule 404B testimony and a hearsay rule under 802. So just to give this some clarification, here's what Rule uh, 401 means, because this was brought up a lot, and I'll talk about the other ones too. So Rule 401 deals with the concept of relevance in the context of evidence. So essentially what it means is that evidence is considered relevant to the case if it makes a fact more or less probable than it would be without the evidence. 
Basically, it must have some direct or indirect bearing on the case. Now, the purpose of this evidence is that the evidence must try to prove or disprove and must be significant to the case. This means that it should be something that matters in the context of the law and the specific issues being decided in the trial. To put it in a nutshell, Rule 401 is a guideline to determine whether a piece of evidence should be considered during a trial. It ensures that the evidence that is presented is actually helpful in making a decision about the case, focusing on its direct connection and importance to the matters at hand. Now, the next rule that the defense brought up quite a bit was Rule 901. And again, in a nutshell, Rule 901 essentially ensures that the evidence that is presented in court is genuine and reliable. It's about proving that a piece of evidence is actually what it is claimed to be. Rule uh, 404B, uh, which was brought up a couple of times, not as often as the other ones, but Rule 404B is actually a little bit more extensive. And essentially, it's you can't use evidence of a person's character or past wrongdoings to argue that they acted in accordance with that character or past behavior in a specific incident. So, for example, just because someone lied in the past doesn't mean that you can introduce that fact to prove that they're lying about something unrelated in the current case. Now, there are exceptions for this. Rule 404B allows such evidence for other purposes, like proving motive, opportunity, intent, preparation, plan, knowledge, etc. So, for instance, if someone is accused of embezzlement and they have a history of similar fraudulent behavior, this past behavior might be admissible to show a pattern or plan, not just to argue, quote, they did it before, so they must have done it this time. Whoever is intending to use this evidence for, you know, under this rule or whatever, must usually provide notice to the other party before the trial and explain what the evidence is and why it's relevant for a permissible purpose. And then the last rule uh, that was brought up by the defense team, which again was not used very often, but it was Rule 802. And essentially this has to deal with hearsay. And hearsay is defined as a statement that was made outside of the current court proceedings. So in other words, not made while they were testifying at the trial or a hearing, which a party tries to use as evidence to prove the truth of the matter stated. And the general rule against hearsay, Rule 802, says that hearsay is generally not admissible as evidence in court. This means that you usually can't use a statement made outside of court as evidence if you're trying to prove that what was said in that statement is true. But like most things, there are many exceptions to this rule. Um, hearsay can be admitted under certain circumstances. Um, these exceptions are covered in other rules and are based on situations where the hearsay is deemed, quote, sufficiently reliable. So, although we are not done with this portion of 
Officer Bain's testimony. I just wanted to fit this all in. And since I'm already explaining all of these, I just want to go over the notes that I have so far with this while they're fresh. So all of these documents that they brought up and what you've just heard about were found on top of a blue and green box in the family room. And evidently this blue and green box was a sewing kit or a sewing box of some sort. It was testified to or said within court that the attorneys, the defense attorneys, did come out to inspect these documents prior to the trial. One thing I did find interesting is that when they brought up about the uh, documents 79A, B, and C, these were the handwritten documents that appear to refer to a preparation, a handwritten uh, preparation of a will. And the defense objected to it as being not relevant under Rule 401, and they tend to imply that they are the 404B testimony, so hearsay, and under Rule 802, not properly authenticated. Um, sorry, that's under Rule 901. So when they brought this up, the judge had already sustained this argument and said, yeah, I agree with you. These should not be admitted. And then Greg Davis gave his reasoning for which it should be admitted and then explained that, hey, all of these go to Darley's state of mind. So as soon as he said that, the judge then said, even though he had just said that he had sustained the argument, he then said that he would then hold the documents in abeyance. And essentially what this means, because honestly, I had to look this up. I had no idea. I could have kind of guessed, but I had to look up the definition. So it's essentially like putting something on hold. So if a document is in abeyance, it means that it's been temporarily stopped and it hasn't been finalized or continued. It's just sitting there waiting for something to happen with it. And even though the defense did object to many of these documents, which the defense felt was very irrelevant and, you know, for what it's worth, I felt they were pretty irrelevant too, but the judge went ahead and just agreed, and some of these documents are agreed to have them included in the court case. And some of these documents were the birth certificate of Devin, even though he's not part of the case uh, that Darley's being tried for. The court also allowed Devin's immunization records. Uh, that didn't make any sense to me. The marriage certificate between Darren and Darley, uh, Darren's life insurance policy, Darley's birth certificate, uh, Damon's birth certificate. Uh, Devin's birth certificate was also admitted. I think I said that already. And an insurance policy on Darley herself um, was also admitted. And also including Devin and Damon's social security cards. Now, why the social security cards have any relevance to the case, I don't know. But they were objected to and the judge said, nope, I'm going to overrule that and allow them to be a part of this case. So anyway, with all that temporary, temporarily said and pause in the proceedings, we're going to go ahead and continue with some of Officer David Main's testimony again on this day in court. So if you remember, everything was kind of recessed until 1.30. And so then people start coming back into the room. And again, this is everybody but the jury. And the court 
Ben says, all right, let the record reflect that all parties in the trial are present and these proceedings are being held still outside the presence of the jury. And then says, Mr. Hagler, you wanted to make a statement. And Mr. John Hagler says, well, Your Honor, just to reiterate our position on the exhibits. Again, we've already voiced our objections to a number of them. There are several of them. We did not voice an objection, which we wish to voice now. Specifically, the documents that the states offered to the court. We would submit, one, that they failed to make a showing of relevancy under Rule 401. And furthermore, in the event that the court finds that certain of these documents may be relevant, we would further urge that the court conduct a balancing test under 403, where we would submit, we would submit, that even if there were any probative value, that it would be vastly and substantially outweighed by the prejudicial effects and confusion it would create in front of the jury. Next, Your Honor, we would further urge the court that a number of these documents contain hearsay statements, statements of undefined individuals. We would urge that, for example, the spiral notebook and various writings that were have been offered into evidence by the state. We would submit, Your Honor, that they are likewise not admissible under Rule 802. In fact, it is clearly hearsay. And furthermore, the state has indicated that their position of these documents is that they are not being offered for the truth of the matters stated therein. We would submit, on the other hand, that clearly they are being offered for the truth of the matters stated in the documents, the spiral notebook, the insurance policies, and various other documents. And I anticipate that they, that if they are admitted, that they're going to come back and argue to the jury the truth of the matter in these documents. Next, Your Honor, these documents also include 404B materials. And based on that, we would further urge that they be excluded. Next, Your Honor, the documents are not properly authenticated under Section 901 and furthermore are not self-authenticated under 902 subsection 10. They haven't been on file with the court 14 days prior to trial. We have been given improper notice of the state's offer of these documents at the present time. And for all of these reasons, Your Honor, we would again re-urge and ask the court to, it says deny, but this is a mistake again in the transcription, our motion to suppress these documents that have been offered. And the court then says, well, on the statements or on the exhibits already admitted this morning, the court finds that the probative, probative value far outweighs any prejudicial effect. Now, over the noon hour, I read some of the following exhibits. I'm trying to go in numerical order. On 77-C, States Exhibit 77-C, D, E, and F, are receipts for insurance premiums paid on July 26, 1994, on policies on Darren Routier, Darley Routier, excuse me, Devon Routier and Damon Routier to the Combined Insurance Company of America. Mr. Mulder then says, did you get a chance to compare those rates? The court said, no, not at the current time. States Exhibit 77-G is a life is a folder with a life insurance policy number 21127468 on the life of Darren Routier 
issued by the Massachusetts Indemnity and Life Insurance Company at 3120 Breckenridge Boulevard, Duluth, Georgia, in the amount of $200,000 on his life and $50,000 on Darley Routier's life and $5,000 on each child's life. The writing agent was Myrtle, M-Y-R-T-L-E, Cyrilda Routier. The State's Exhibit 78 is a notebook found at the scene with writing. State's Exhibit 79-A, which the court was handed like this, with these stickers on the back, I thought it was a blank sheet. I withdraw my ruling on that earlier this morning. But 79-A, B, C, through 79-C are all papers, apparently from a folder and a tablet found at the scene. And State's Exhibit 82-A is what purports to be Damon Routier's handprints found at the scene. State's Exhibit 84-B is a receipt allegedly received from Darley Routier from the Lions Funeral Home, also found at the scene. State's Exhibit 80 is a small piece of paper with some writing on it and would purport to be the signatures of Darley Routier and Darren Routier. All of these were found at the scene. The court's ruling is that the court will admit all of these exhibits only as exhibits found at the scene. They're not being admitted for the truth of any matter asserted to any one of these exhibits. And if necessary, a limiting instruction will be placed in the court's charge to the jury, should that be necessary at the appropriate time. These are being admitted only because they were found at the scene. And the court also feels that any prejudicial value is outweighed by the probative effect. And I'm going to admit these in front of the jury. And it may not be necessary for the defense to object. They may object one at a time, if you want, whatever you want to do. And it being the intent of the court in this hearing to preserve any error in the court's ruling for appellate review on behalf of the defense, should that become necessary. And again, I'm going to interject here just so that we're all on the same understanding of what it is that they're talking about. When the judge says that the probative value far outweighs any prejudicial effect, this means that the evidence, according to the judge, the evidence is so important for finding out the truth that it's worth using even if there's some risk it might unfairly sway the jury or the judge against one side. So let's continue. The court then says, so do you wish to object in front of the jury or not? Mr. Hagler says, no, your honor. Just as long as we would re-urge all of the objections voiced and the objections to the evidence admitted by the court. The court then says the court understands that the same ruling is admitting them and you will not be required to object in front of the jury. Mr. Richard Mosty then says, if I understand everything offered then except for 84A and C are received, the court then says, right, 83A and B have not been offered yet. Mr. Mosty says, right. And if you're a little confused right now, like I am, because I'm reading through this and it does not show that there is a... Um, the change to the transcript because when the court says right 83 a and b have not been offered yet those two pieces of evidence are the two items that were found in the garbage bag that was then taken to the Rowlett police department where they went through it it was not stuff actually found 
at the scene at the time. In the transcript, it has Mr. Mosty saying, if I understand everything offered then except for 84A and C are received, the court then says, right, 83A and B have not been offered yet. And that would be the items found within the garbage. So let's go ahead and continue. Mr. Mosty then says, right. And the court says, so that's where we are. And they're admitted. And I'm going to tell the jury I'm admitting them only because they were found at the scene and not for the truth of any matters therein asserted. Mr. Hagler, is that satisfactory? Also, excuse me, also, the court admits States Exhibit 150, the photo, the photo of the green or aqua-colored couch. Well, this photo right here. The court then says, did you offer that? And Mr. Davis says, yes, for the purposes of the hearing. And the court says, all right, everybody ready to bring the jury in. Mr. Greg Davis says, yes, sir. Mr. Richard Mosty said, yes, sir. The defense is ready. The court then says, all right, bring the jury in, please. And at this point, I'm going to go ahead and end this particular hour. Um, there hasn't been a lot of testimony from Officer Maine. They've really essentially just gone over the documents that were admitted and what they were going to do with them. But in the next episode, we're definitely going to get back into that testimony because the jury is now being brought back in and is going to hear the rest, or at least the next hour, in our case, the next hour of Officer David Maine's testimony. So until then, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. And I will be back very soon with more testimony from the trial of Darlie Routier.